Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Look, it's been dominating the news today and certainly over the weekend, and it follows the confrontations between anti immigration protesters and Gardaí after protesters marched to the International Protection Office in Dublin over the weekend. There were several tents and parts set in fire, nobody injured. But we're now hearing around 600 or so migrants now homeless in this country. The government, though, say they've committed to housing them in new centres within the coming days. What we're asking today, though, is that, like, Gardaí, obviously, on high alert in the event of any further escalation to the protests. But how worried are you about the escalation over the weekend? And what, if anything, or how could we be more proactive about preventing this? You can give us a call if you want to join us on this today. Um, Ellen is with us, though, on the line. Ellen, how concerned are you about the escalation and violence? I am endlessly... um, This is some of the most shocking and disgraceful scenes that I've seen in recent history in Dublin. Um, This is so deeply... Uh, un-Irish as an action against some of the most vulnerable people that we have in our city. Uh, I should say that this is, you know, it's a tiny but violent minority of people who are doing this and they don't, in my opinion, represent, you know, what it means to be Irish and what it is to be, you know, part of the uh, Ireland and their community, you know. And um, I think what, what we need to see is immediate government action to protect people. Um, and I do want to say fair play to, you know, all the protesters that showed up to protect uh, those refugees as well. Um, but I really hope that soon the, the concept that the far right are free to burn down the living accommodation of asylum seekers will sink in for some people. Um, you know, the asylum seekers deserve a safe space to sleep and live. Um, and, you know, I get people's Anger over the issues that are facing them are very valid, but where they're directing this anger and with the actions that they're using to direct this anger is completely ridiculous. And uh, I should also say that if the Garda can't be relied upon to protect people, then really, what is the point? Um, so, do you do you I think, think the guards should? Do you think there should be a more proactive approach then taken to dealing with this? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And I think there needs to be, you know, I, I, I mean, for, first and foremost, we need to make sure everyone is housed, but there isn't people sleeping, sleeping rough on the streets, especially people who come from, you know, an incredibly vulnerable position of being an asylum seeker. Someone who came here, you know, I mean, it's, it's part of our, I, I think it's, it's something that, you know, we find, find pride in as a national identity that we're people who are caring and hospitable and, and have a history ourselves of, you know, seeking help from an international community. I think it's the very least we could do that when we're in you know, the positional strength that we're in at the moment as a, as a nation, that we're able to, you know, offer a helping hand to, you know, the siblings that we have in the world, you know, and that we're able to, to, to support and help people. And this is just, I, I am so disappointed um, that we weren't able to, to do better by, by, by some of these people. It's, it's disgraceful. The guards were present, you know, on the street as opposed to to separate anti-migrant protesters from from pro pro-migrant counter-protesters basically at the site. But I mean, I suppose how do you preempt something like this? Sorry, I, I yeah, no, one one thing I I will say is, you know, it's 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 great that that no one was 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 badly hurt and it's and it's it's good that they were there to, you know, to, to sort of uh, intervene and, and at least protect people as they were being moved out. Um, but 
the, the real solution to this is is not having people sleeping up on the street in the first place. And also, I think we need to, you know, have a, have a really strong, uh, like, national conversation about the rise of the far right and, you know, potential violent fascism in Ireland. Like, it's it's very scary. And it's something I think we all don't want to jump to, jump to dramatics. But this is, you know, this is a huge escalation very, very quickly. And it should be a massive red flag and warning sign to the rest of us that we need to, you know, kind of practice radical empathy and, uh, you know, long-term problem-solving and, and, and systemic change and, 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 and real, find real long-term solutions for people that don't include sleeping on but are very clearly unsafe. Mm. Um, 1800-453-106 is the number. Steph Hanlon from Lakela, which is um, an alliance working to, to challenge, I suppose, the, the far right in Ireland effectively. Steph, just first of all, your reaction to what happened over the weekend? I mean, Ellen's right. I largely, you know, I completely agree with everything that Ellen has just said. Um, you know, what happened at the weekend, it was extremely dangerous. It had the potential for extreme violence. And these were just, these were devastating acts of cruelty that were inflicted on people seeking safety in Ireland. And in no uncertain terms, you know, has been condemned across the board. It's, it is absolutely disgraceful. And what happened has been a source of fear, and distress and anger for many of us. But, um, you know, at the same time, I think, like Ellen said, this really has to be an important flashpoint for serious discussions and, you know, a commitment to serious action uh, by the government and, uh, you know, by the guards, but also just groups across Ireland. Look, there's obviously been the widespread condemnation of what happened over the weekend. I think um, even the Justice Minister Simon Harris, I, I think he's due to meet actually with Garda management um, in the coming days to discuss what happened, specifically with regards you know, to the camps and tents sheltering people over the weekend. But do you see it, Steph, now? Like, look, I, I know we, we've talked before about the rise in attitudes um, towards immigration policy and, and migrants here, but... but have you been expecting this escalation? Like, like is it has it reached? Did you expect it to go to this point? I think, um, you know, that's a tough question. I think it's really important that we just look at the trajectory that we've been on. And, and that's, that's really, you know, that's really important for us. Um, you know, there is a context and there's a backdrop to this. And we have been calling on government ministers. We have been warning and we've been putting out these calls for action uh, to to the state and to the government. Uh, you know, what happens uh, when we have a deepening housing crisis, when rents have reached their highest ever, when there's 11,000 people homeless and approximately 60,000 people living in institutional settings and 600 migrants homeless? This, these are issues um, where we have a minority of vocal far-right agitators who can capitalise this on this and who are attempting to stir up fear and hate around minority groups. This has been happening for months and months. We have been shouting this from the rooftops. Over 50,000 people marched in February uh, to highlight and call on the government and condemn this. Um, But, you know, at the same time, uh, just not enough has been done. And, you know, Taoiseach um, called this malign opportunism in Mm. his condemnation of the attack the other day. What we need to recognise is that it's successive government policy that has created the circumstances for this opportunism. And that is what... How, though? How would it have created the the allowance for this opportunism from from a minority, like? 
But what we have, you know, as I said, we have a deepening housing crisis, we have a healthcare crisis, a cost of living crisis. People are angry, atomized, and uh, disenfranchised with 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 the government. But also, um, you know, people are facing into extreme extreme circumstances. When you have deepening inequality, that creates fertile breeding grounds for far right uh, misinformation and and lies, but also scapegoating and it's placing the blame on people who do not deserve that and in relation to you know to far-right actors it will always be minority groups uh, the, um, the equality minister was out today um stefan and and he says that you know offers of accommodation will be made now to asylum seekers who are sleeping rough this week i mentioned the figure of 600 earlier i mean there's some suggestion it's maybe now around 480 we're currently housing over 80,000 um ukrainian refugees and and those seeking international protection so like are you confident that we won't be facing this situation again, like if, if offers of beds can be made or offers of accommodation? I mean, this is a this is a bare minimum. I mean, we see this offer now, but at the same time, we just saw what happened at the weekend. I mean, is, does it take something like this uh, to trigger, you know, a promise of um, accommodation to people? I mean, in April, we had a judgment from the High Court that the fa- about the failure to provide accommodation to international protection applicants, it was unlawful. And it breached applicants' rights under EU law. So Ireland was pulled up over that. People who come to Ireland seeking asylum and do not have the means to provide themselves are legally entitled to reception, support of accommodation, shelter and food. We have been, like I said, we've been calling all homeless people, all homeless people, um, regardless of um, background, regardless of situation, need to be brought off the streets and accommodated. They're, they're clearly being, like in the case, for example, last month, we heard that there is a, there will be a surplus of 16.2 billion predicted for next year, according to the government's late, latest economic uh, forecast. The question is, is, you know, is there joined up thinking here? Um, but also we need to realise that, you know, people who are on the streets need to be brought off. And um, yes, there are promises, but as long as, you know, people are not accommodated people on the streets, they will remain vulnerable to attack. And, you know, this is the bare minimum yeah. that needs to be done. I'm going to come to other voices as well. I just want to get a reaction, I suppose, Steph, today from people as to, you know, how concerned they are and whether or not you were there in Dublin city centre over the weekend and witnessed this. But I mean, like the, the videos and the footage and the clips were there to see, certainly on, on Twitter uh, and online. And I know for a lot of people it was was really harrowing to, to see that. But were you asked, were you, um, were you on Mine Street over the weekend, Steph? I'm not based in Dublin. I'm outside of Dublin. And to be honest, events escalated very quickly. But um, our members in the Kayla were there, members of various anti-racism, housing groups, trade union groups, uh, community workers, youth workers were, were, were present there. The Kayla the night before, along with United Against Racism and multiple other anti-racist organisations, we put out calls for help the day beforehand. Simon Harris was contacted, Roderick O'Gorman was contacted by our TDs um, and government ministers were called upon to be aware of this. So I know you, you asked, you know, how do you preempt this? There was no need to preempt it. They were warned and they were called upon um, and they were they were told how dangerous this was going to be. So they were aware. Okay. Christine is on the line as well. Christine is joining us too, Steph. Um, are you concerned about an escalation in, you know, in, in attitudes towards migrants, Christine? Um, absolutely. Um, so similar to uh, Steph, I kind of um, have my own group as well in Mullingar called Mullingar for All. And we've seen kind of a lot of far-right protesters 
um, not native to Mullingar, but coming over to Mullingar to spread kind of their anti-immigration uh, speech. And um, we've seen um, people gather outside the direct provision centre in Mullingar uh, for months, and they even slept out there. And then it was only when some lie was put on social media that um, all the applicants went home that they decided to go home themselves. But that wasn't true. The, the, the asylum seekers were still there. But as you can see what happened in Dublin, um, there was a fire. And like the far, the, far, the far right usually say that the reason why they're so against asylum seekers is because they're taking houses away from the Irish. But... These people here were sleep, homeless, sleeping on the street. They weren't bothering anyone. They weren't taking anyone's houses. And still the far right came over and set fire to, to all their belongings. And, and the for some of them, that was the, the only belongings they had that they came with them, with them to Ireland. So it's really scary. And this isn't the first time like some belongings have been set on fire. Actually, um, I can't remember which county it was, but there was a place um, being set aside for asylum seekers. So no asylum seekers were inside, thank God. But um, as soon as um, the far right actors actually realised that they're going to, this place is going to be used for asylum seekers, they actually set fire to it. So there has been similar um, kind of hate crimes already happening um, in Ireland, and I feel it's now too far, that you think? yeah, it's it, like the fact that they've done this now in, in Sandwich Street, um, maybe they're going to target others. And that's kind of what they do. They, they, they're happy <laughs> with what they have done. Like they think that they have achieved something and they have a telegram group chat and they usually say, you know, asylum seekers are, are in that location. Let's target that location next week. And it's, it's very organized. Um, from what I've seen. Yeah, I, I see the Taoiseach obviously look as it's been widely, widely condemned, uh, described the incident as a malign opportunism by a tiny minority of people clearly yeah. determined to make the capital, uh, to make capital out of a, a difficult situation. Michael is with us too, Christine. Um, Michael, why did you yeah. get in touch about this? Pardon? I said, why did you get in touch about this? I did. Um, I probably uh, a bit um, off the uh, the same point as the previous speakers, but um, what I think is it's the result of unmanaged migration policies. Before, there used to be forward planning. So say, for example, if we were planning to take in X amount of people, we would have houses and accommodation and things like that. Um, At the pace that we're doing it, we can't possibly cater for all these people. We, We need to take in what we can actually reasonably accommodate and help maybe in other ways, such as foreign aid and things like that, when we can't. Um, these kind of situations are pretty much inevitable when you keep rushing people in, into a country with the housing crisis, um, healthcare, all that. The, the, a certain amount can be taken in, the amount that we can actually reasonably look after. Um, it would also help if... Applications were processed quickly, as in quick turnaround times, a thorough examination done, you're in or you're out. Um, it's it's happened all over Europe, um, in Sweden, Germany. Yeah, but I suppose we couldn't we couldn't have preempted when 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 the uh, invasion in Ukraine started, oh, Michael. We, we couldn't have preempted what. 
Oh, absolutely not. And the deepest sympathies to Ukrainian people. But um, it's only in the last number of years that it seems that the only way to help is to bring people here. We could have, you know, taken in what we could have taken in and maybe donate money to the surrounding countries or anywhere around sure, there. I suppose they, like, to- surrounding countries are, are too accommodating and housing and offering shelter to people. Like, is, is that a fair point, Steph? So effectively, Michael, you're saying there, sh- there should really, your view is there, there should be a cap, is it? Um, not necessarily a cap, but the country has a capacity. Now, whether it's 100,000, 500,000 or whatever it is, there is a capacity. And when you when you go over that capacity, you're pitting people, say in the rental market in particular, that's where it all seems to really come to a head. You're pitting people against each other. And it's happened absolutely everywhere. Well, most of the northern countries in Europe, there's been some kind of backlash, even if you look at the UK, for example. You know, they're now out of the EU. That referendum was pitched entirely on immigration. Is that a fair point, Steph? Because I have to say, Michael's view is um, is 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 one of many that have come in on the text line. I'll come to them in a, in a few moments. But Michael's not alone in his view. Yeah, no, I can understand. Um, you know why people would think that. Myself, um, I don't. I don't think that is the case. Um, I mean, we had the census. Uh, very recently that showed there's over 166,000 vacant properties in Ireland with over 48,000 vacant for six years or more. And this is really important because we're talking about numbers here. And, you know, I think the media do have a very strong role to play in this as well, as well as government ministers. We're seeing that rhetoric of, um, you know, there's only so much we can do. It's all leading to the idea of, okay, well, look, we don't have enough resources. Ultimately, we do have capacity. We do have resources. The issue is, is with successive government policy that has led to the privatisation for housing, housing treated as a commodity, which as a result, it lends to a focus on profit and not need. In this case, there are enough houses. There are enough vacant properties. We have entire ghost estates. And yet at the same time, we're seeing a huge level of homelessness across the board. There is a key issue here, and it's not the fact that we don't have houses or we don't have uh, resources or money. Like I said, we're facing into 16.2 billion predicted for next year. Um, A surplus of that. I mean, this is really, this is not common sense. This is lunacy. Well, like the, like the, the growing number of tents that have been pitched outside the offices and um, the international protection offices and surrounding streets around Dublin, some of those have been there since March. So you're saying there's exactly. absolutely no need at all for, um, like everybody you're saying, Steph, there's accommodation for everybody, whether that be in, in ghost estates, derelict buildings. I think where we're lacking is political will. That That's fundamentally the issue. We're lacking in political will. Um, yes, there are enough houses there. There is enough property there. Um, we have a population that's less than it was prior to the famine. We have highest levels of outward migration of all of the countries in the OECD. That is absolutely essential. We need to look at the wider context and the backdrop. If we're talking about migration policy, Ireland is a country that has historically been shaped by outward migration. Huge levels of outward migration. And migration, it has been shown, we are hugely reliant on inward migration to keep our economy going. You, you mentioned, Michael, about um, the processing, is it? The, the length of time that it takes for international protection uh, migrants. Did, did I take you up right on that? Yeah, um, obviously, when someone comes in, they have to be housed. 
or in some way accommodated. Um, other countries uh, do have much faster turnaround time on that. They, um, you know, you come in, your application is assessed. Um, I've heard of some claims taking up to three years. I don't don't know how true that is, but I, know, I think they've done a lot to tighten it. But basically, a quicker turnaround time to so say if I arrive and I'm not entitled to international protection, I'm on my way then. Um, and with regard to the, we have the capacity. If we had the capacity, then why is the rental mark, mark completely stuffed? Why are people like the asylum seekers sleeping on the street? Do you accept the point, Steph, around the, the length of time that it, it's taken to process international applications? Definitely. There's huge, huge anger in relation to delays in processing, the delays in joined up thinking. I mean, Matthew, the movement of asylum seekers, has been making these calls in relation to judicial review, in relation to the interview process. The entire process, you know, it needs to be overhauled and the government has accepted that as well. Um, so that, yeah, that definitely is a key factor. Um, but, you know, um, I suppose to, to bring it back to, you know, the question of, um, of you know, our capacity and our, our, our ability to do it, we, we do have it. The issue for the regulation of the market, that's the key issue. And that yeah. has been highlighted I, multiple I, times by housing policy experts yeah. like Rory Hearn. I, I just I, I do want to put one quick point to you before I take a break, if you don't mind, Steph, on this, because a lot of people getting in touch. And it, look, it's the, the, the views of listeners now today to this conversation. Some think it's a very one sided debate on immigration. Others say the country can't sustain this level of uncontrolled immigration. This text, there should be more restrictions on allowing further migrants into this country. I think it's madness. But... This, this question or this point has been made by quite a few staff who say anybody who has concerns about mass immigration or undocumented asylum seekers are labelled the far right. What's your response to that? OK, well, first of all, I don't really think that's exactly fair. I think um, the key issue is, is, you know, the fact that we're treating some people differently to others on the basis of their citizenship status or their ethnicity and it's gotten to the point of racial profiling as well and that's where we run into trouble um, you know I don't have any questions um, in relation to new neighbours coming into my estate um, who are Irish and white and are male um, you know but are also undocumented also it's really important that we, we recognise that Ireland is uh, you know has some of the most strict uh, requirements for you know, um, seeking asylum, seeking international protection, um, which is really, really important as well to be aware of. Um, you know, under the EU Citizenship di- Directive, we are one of three countries um, that do not have. You know, we we do not sign up to taking on um, a certain amount of people under under uh, human rights law. Um, so, you know, I think I think it's really important that we're aware of those issues as well. But I do want to emphasize, you know, that. You know, the issue of labelling people far right, this is a narrative and it is a myth. That well, a, a lot of people feel, I have to say, and I know that from talking to people previously in the show, a lot of people are of the view that if you ask a question at all about um, the country's immigration policy and, and migrants in the country, that you, you are nearly deemed, well, you're deemed to be anti-refugee. Uh, 
or or pro far right and I think for a lot of people there seems to be a vacuum somewhere in the middle um, that they nearly feel they can't ask questions and, and I have to make that point because it's coming in in the text line today this listener though says I think the man talking about the proper management of migration is spot on the government needs to process applications quickly differentiate between economic migrants and people fleeing war we need Im- Im- we need economic migrants also but they need to fall into an application process similar to the US or Australia says this texter but we're talking about um, the protests anti-immigrant protests in Dublin over the weekend. Several tents uh, were set in fire, nobody injured, but a lot of reaction to this. Liz is with us on the line. Liz, why did you get in touch about this? Thanks, Andrea, for having me on. Um, I'm the Fianna Fáil local area representative in, in the Pier Street area. I'm from the community myself and I've been an activist in the community for a long time. Okay. And I suppose I've been involved with this from, from day one. So um, when the encampment first uh, took place, I've been involved with um, some of the people who are there and genuinely seeking protection with the local guards, the Dublin City Council, with local residents um, and with concerned groups. Um, who will be very concerned about uh, how we are protecting those who are coming into the country. So from from day one, I've been involved and um, I've I've seen a lot personally um, and uh, individually on site. And I, I've I've had a lot of conversation. And then I've seen it covered and I've seen a lot of misinformation and um, out there. So I I I really got involved to say. Um, a couple of things. One, um, you know, that we as a community were just totally devastated that something like that would take place within our community. And um, it it really was a community under siege. Um, were you there at the weekend, Liz? I was indeed. I, I wasn't there for the Thursday incident, but I was there. I came out on Friday in support of, of local people and, and in support of those who were seeking protection um, and to keep an eye on things. So I was around all day. I We were aware that the protest was going to happen. Um, we were working with the guards. Uh, there was guard presence all day. Now, to be honest, the guards have been involved from the get-go. Um, and uh, this was an unnecessary incident. This did not need to happen. It was because totally the point, I, I don't know, Liz, sorry to interrupt you, but the, the yeah. point that was made by by, um, by Steph that was with us a, a little earlier, um, Steph is from the Lakela uh, organisation or the Alliance, and she says the guards and government and departments were well warned about the potential for this at the weekend. They were, um, and I would agree with that. And I suppose I we myself and other members of my own party would have been putting pressure really on Minister Harris to act um, in this situation. We called out, we pleaded because I suppose we were very afraid that this would come to this conclusion um, which happened with some violent incidents on Thursday and then what what happened on Friday, on Saturday. Um, we sort of were deeply concerned that that would happen. And it happened in the local community with children and very vulnerable adults also looking and experiencing locked in their homes with this going on. Can can I just ask you about the point around, like for a number of weeks now, the fact that there's been a number and a growing number of tents that have been, you know, pitched um, on surrounding streets in the area. Like, it's yeah. certainly not a popular policy to be seen to remove 
the tents that we're talking about or remove tents from the area. But are we not? Does that not allow the very the very erection of the tents on the on the streets? Does it does it not make people more vulnerable? Like it does absolutely. And nobody was seeking like the, the, a heavy handed removal of tents. What people were seeking, and particularly local people and ourselves, we were seeking appropriate services for people who were fleeing the con- fleeing their country. And I met with, as I said, those who were sleeping outside the IPO. Um, and I've, I've subsequently met them. I met them again. You know, these are people that are deeply traumatised, fleeing war, fleeing um, torture. They have left everybody they love behind. They're not even getting the knowledge of what's happened to their loved ones. They've come over here with the shorts on their back and we put them in tents. I mean, nobody should be intense. And people have raised with me, rightly so. It's not just those who are seeking international protection. Uh, there's, there's other people who are living in tents as well. And I suppose... But let's be honest. Level, I, know, but let's be, be, I know, but let's be honest, Liz. Like, if, if the guards went down and removed people from the streets that we're talking about that are living in tents over the weekend, we'd be having the very same discussion here today about where, where's the empathy? Absolutely. And... Uh, Nobody want, nobody called for the removal of people. What we called for was appropriate services to be put in place. Like somebody coming in um, who's seeking um, protection, we should have adequate accommodation. We should have adequate services. And I thought I want to say it's more than accommodation because accommodation just doesn't fix everything. It fixes a lot. But, you know, People need to eat, they need clothes, they need medical care, they need support, they need wraparound services. And so what I would be calling for is absolutely appropriate accommodation for those who are in intent, whether that's somebody seeking international protection or not. Nobody should have to sleep in a tent that doesn't want to. And I I think we should be providing that and we should okay. be providing the supporting I, the services that are there that okay. provide the wraparound services. There is a text in from a listener here who says we can't spend all our money on 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 refugees. Health services in chaos, schools overcrowded. We also have a housing crisis. Why can't we temporarily close our doors? until they get things sorted. It's one of many texts, I have to say, like that coming in. Caroline has got in touch to say, I live in Dunleary and over the weekend there were media reports of new refugee centres being opened here. That's not what I'm afraid of. What I'm afraid of, uh, I'm afraid of the right who'll come to protest. The rights issue wasn't the tents, it was the refugees. I feel next thing there could be the burning of buildings, perhaps. I don't want to come on air. I made similar comments online and I've had to lock my accounts. The guards will have to do something about it, says Caroline. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.